Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Go ahead and get your Bibles open to two locations today. Matthew chapter number 2. We're going to start with the first verse of Matthew 2 in just a second. And then Revelation 21, 2. So we've got a lot of twos there. Matthew 2, 1. That's the first book of the New Testament. And Revelation 21, 2, which is the last book in the New Testament. Jot those down. Go ahead and locate them because I'd love for you to follow along with me as I read uh, from the Scriptures in just a few moments. The Scriptures are holy and, uh, and uh, we are supposed to, according to the Word of God, we are supposed to publicly read the Scriptures. There's power in that. Uh, I, I also just want to, just to uh, underscore what Jake just mentioned a moment ago about our Christmas Day service. We're, we're calling it the City Life Christmas Special. And not only will it be online at, at 10 a.m., but it'll be on demand the rest of the day, the rest of the week. So I encourage you guys to uh, get make plans to watch that. But I, I just want to thank uh, the individuals who came out yesterday. We've been working on this for quite a while, but uh, the, several people came out yesterday to do the initial recording for that and spent a good chunk of the day here. So Josh, Anthony, James, Caitlin, Joel, Elizabeth, Zion, Ashley, Nick, Chris, Darius, Bryce, Brian, Harriet, Hunter, Selah, Jeremiah, Ian, and Jake. So thank you guys for coming out and helping out. Thank you so much because that was just a huge blessing uh, to be able to get this get this recorded. Now we have to put it into post-production, which is the fun part, but uh, we're looking forward to that. Well, my message title today is called Two Cities, Two Kings. Two Cities, Two Kings. And it's from a brand new series that I'm starting, which is going to go now all the way through December 25th, which is called The King Who Changes Everything. And I think you know who the King Who Changes Everything is. It's Jesus Christ. But, but uh, I, this, this Christmas story, it, it presents us with some intense conflict. And it's a conflict between good and evil. It's a, con, uh, it's a conflict between light and darkness. It's a conflict between the, uh, the eternal and the temporal. Now, since creation, since the beginning of creation, uh, this king has been on the throne waiting to come, and that is Jesus. Jesus is the king of creation. But also, the reason I call this two, king, two cities, two kings, is there is another king which was on the throne at the time, and this was another king known as the king of Judea, the king of the Jews. And you're going to see today that we get a choice as to which king we're going to pay homage to and to which city we're going to look forward to. So I want to set the stage here really quick because some of you are like, what in the, where in the world is he going with this? Well, I want to give you some quick definitions. First of all, here are the two kings. The two kings are Herod the Great and Jesus the Messiah. Two kings that were on this earth at the same time. Jesus the Messiah, of course, we know he is the king who changes everything. But Herod the Great, uh, you probably 
have heard much more about Jesus than you have about Herod, and, and that's understandable. That's actually appropriate, fully appropriate. But, uh, but Herod the Great, you, you probably know, yeah, I've heard of his name. You may have studied him a little bit in history. Most likely you remember his name from the Bible, but yeah, he, he's definitely there. Um, so what's the big deal about Herod the Great? Well, I'll tell you, uh, Herod the Great was the Roman king who was overseeing the region of Judea. That's what we would call Israel today. Herod the Great actually answered directly to Caesar in Rome. Uh, He was known as the king of Judea. Also, he was known as the king of the Jews. That's important. He, he was recognized as that, and, and he called himself that. He put those names out there. He was a powerful ruler in that day. There was nothing weak about him at all, and that's, that's, that's historical fact. Uh, he, but he was also a man who was thirsty for accolade. He was thirsty for prestige. He wanted to be the most prominent person on earth outside of Caesar himself, and probably even in his own heart and mind wanted to be Caesar. But... This man, during his lifetime, he had literally married 10 different women. He had 10 different marriages. And uh, what he would do is, is, is when he would get tired of a, of a wife, he would dump her or kill her, have her executed when he just grew tired of one, and he would marry another. In fact, at the, near the end, his last two wives, get this, his last two wives were his cousin, then got rid of her, and then married his niece. Yeah, that's Herod the Great. See, you know, history kind of leaves some of this stuff out. See, Herod the Great was actually a dark, wicked king. And he, uh, he ruled for about 40 years. His lust for power had even seared his conscience, and, and it was intense. Uh, during his reign, on three different occasions, he executed one of his sons, so that means he killed three of his own sons because he feared they would overtake the throne. And not just that, he killed one of his wives because he feared she was going to somehow take over his throne. <laughs> the man reigned on the throne for 40 years and perished just a few months after Jesus Christ was born. Two kings, Herod the Great and Jesus the Messiah. Now, I also want to tell you about the two cities because we... This, this plays into the whole equation also. See, there are two cities that I'm talking about today, and one is called Caesarea by the Sea. This was a city that was built by Herod, uh, Herod the Great. And then there is another city, which is called New Jerusalem, and it is currently being built and has been, be under, has been under construction for some 2,000 years. It's being built by Jesus, the king who changes everything. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about New Jerusalem in just a few minutes, but first of all, I want to talk about Caesarea. It was one of the many projects that Herod the Great initiated. Uh, Caesarea was, was built as a port city for entertainment and vacation. It was a destination city. It was a city that was designed to thrive with economic vibrancy. 
and, and uh, sports and arts and the accolades of, of Roman culture. In fact, the ruins of Caesarea are still present on the Mediterranean coast. And this was his most ambitious construction project. Now, no longer visible in this picture that you're looking at, there were two huge jetties that, that stretched out from there, which created a, a, a perfect harbor. It was a magnificent city. In the year 22 BC, Herod began construction on this deep sea harbor right there, and he built uh, storerooms and markets and wide roads and baths, and he built temples to, uh, to Rome and to Augustus, and he built these massive, imposing public buildings. In fact, Herod even built his own palace on this promontory that, that jutted out over the sea. And he had this decorated pool for himself that was twice the size of an Olympic pool today. It was, the, it was actually, when it was being built, it was the most expensive harbor that had ever been built in the history of the world. And it was paid for by the taxation of the Jews. Now you understand why taxation was such a big, big issue back then. That's how he paid for it. Um, and there he, he built a, this, this palace, not only for himself, but he built another one for his family. He built these basilicas and he just, just, it was all just fresh stone and these gleaming white facades, absolutely beautiful. Don't get too far ahead of me here. <laughs> and then the, he had these streets that were, that, were, uh, that were so straight. You would have seen them in the last picture, but just don't, don't go back to it. They, just this mathematical precision, just, just exactly perfectly straight. Now, also you see here, he built this five and a half mile, this is amazing, a five and a half mile aqueduct to bring fresh water into Caesarea. Now, how, what would that be like? Well, that would be like if it were 2,000 years ago, you're going to have this man-made aqueduct go literally from what is now the Fort Worth Dam, uh, Lake, Lake Worth Dam, and, and have it come all the way to the city life building to give us fresh water. That is impressive, to say the least. Uh, Herod the Great also built this massive, incredible amphitheater, and for five, uh, every five years, the city would host these major sports competitions that would be there at the amphitheater, gladiator games, the theatrical productions, and, and it's just amazing. It's, it's a theater that literally overlooks the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, what a magnificent king he was. No wonder he was called Herod the Great. After uh, about 10 years, after 10 years when uh, Caesarea was finally completed, because that's about how long it took to, to build the whole city, uh, Herod, which is interesting because it took him 10 years to build this city, and it has taken them 40 years just to get I-35 fixed. I don't know about that, but whatever. But, but Herod, then he announced that he was going to have this huge festival and dedicate the city, but also celebrate himself. And according to secular, this is from secular historian Josephus, it says he appointed a contention in music, games to be performed naked. Oh, that's weird. A, a fight for single combat, fights with beasts and horse races. And, and people from all over the world they came and they brought him gifts. 
there were these envoys that came and, and to, to pay homage to him. Ambassadors from other nations, they came and knelt before the king of the Jews and they brought gifts to him and he gave them gifts. Priests from different religions would come and give him gifts. Astrologers would come and bring gifts. Magi would come and bring him gifts. This was the world of Herod the Great. And all of this took place about five years before the birth of another king. And this is a king that the angel had said, this king will rule over the house of Jacob. In other words, this king will be the king of the Jews forever. Then then one day, for no particular reason, because no celebration had been ordained, he wasn't even over in Caesarea at the time. Herod was there in, uh, he was there in Jerusalem. These certain envoys had arrived in Jerusalem to pay homage to a king. They were magi. They were astrologers from the east, and they were literally ushered into Herod's presence. And, and uh, soon he realized that they did not come to honor him, but they came to honor the newborn king of the Jews. Of course, Herod's going, wait a minute. What other king could there be for the Jews? I mean, I killed three of my sons. I killed my wife who tried to take over. I've killed many other people who have tried to take over. Who is this baby? How could this be? I am king of the Jews. You see, on that day, planets were passing by in such close conjunction with one another that their light was brighter than any other star that had been seen. And Herod the Great at that time was also suffering from a very painful disease, literally weeks away from death. He didn't know that at the time though. And still in this condition, Herod shook with fear that a baby might dethrone him. Herod really, he never met this baby In fact, he never really understood the newborn king because Herod was totally swept away in his own greatness. And and he defined greatness by the definitions of the world. And in his mind, uh, greater greatness than his own that this baby might somehow bring, uh, which would be greater splendor, greater armies, greater powers, and the will to kill its enemies. In his brain, he says, well, therefore, I must fear and I must hate this newborn king of which the, the angel actually said that his kingdom will have no end. That was the condition. That was the atmosphere that we see when we pick up in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Follow along with me in the scriptures. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, and that would be Herod, King Herod the Great, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And of course, if he's going to be disturbed, all of Jerusalem's going to be disturbed. You see that? Because whenever he got disturbed, bad things happened to everybody. When he called together all of the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers in Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
Well, then Herod called the, the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I make two go and worship him. Liar. <laughs> After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. It's just supernatural. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream to not go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. And jump down to verse 16. And when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Wow. That's pure evil. You know, there are some people who I would call them Bible doubters, people who try to prove that the Bible isn't correct. It's kind of incredible because in, in today's world, there are more and more facts that just keep coming to the surface, which proves the Bible's legitimacy. It's, it's, it's amazing. I, and I, that's one of the things I love. I actually love about science and history is they just keep uncovering more facts or discovering things that we've known all along. But, but this is one of the things that some, some historians say, oh, there's no way... A, a, a king would never do that. He wouldn't kill babies. Oh, no, he would just kill his own kids, and he would kill his wife, or he, he would kill anybody who threatened his throne. Yeah, he did, and this is truth. This actually happened. Killing baby boys in a little town of Bethlehem was simple. That was easy. That's, not a, that's no problem at all. You see, Herod, in all reality, he is the image of everything the world has to offer. And I'm talking about greed, lust, power, wealth, acclaim, extreme luxury, authority. But what the world had to offer Herod and what he accomplished in his life really had very little value after he died because history tells us that he perished after suffering miserably And he was in such incredible pain, he even tried to kill himself. That's Herod the Great. It's very likely that his final thrust of power was this brutal execution of these little boys' lives. It was all in an attempt to murder Jesus, whom he felt threatened by, the newborn king of the Jews. It's interesting because not only that, but the grand beautiful, expensive city of Caesarea. It was pummeled a few years later. See, what he didn't know is that he constructed that city on uh, (laughs) a fault line, literally a geological fault line. Not a good idea. And earthquakes came and it caused the city to begin to tilt down into the seabed. In fact, part of the city is under the sea right now. 
And then a tsunami came and just literally wiped the city out, making it literally uninhabitable. History tells us that years later, nobody could live there. Nobody could abide there in Caesarea. Today, the grand jetties that, that jetted out to, that he created to, to create this incredible harbor that had never been seen before, once majestic, that during this time they began to sink. And right now they are 15 feet underwater due to the earthquakes and due to the tsunamis. Herod's grand palace and his wonderful city was left in rubble. <laughs> That's what he spent his life doing. You see, the world taunts us to live like Herod. Uh, Sometimes even violently building kingdoms for ourselves on this earth and forgetting that everything on this earth is temporal. Uh, But there is a different king, the one who was born the king of the Jews, and he is the king who changes everything. And finally, uh, when he departed this world, Jesus told his followers that he was going away to build a new city. Now, at that time, if people were to hear about a brand new city being built, naturally their minds would have gone to Caesarea, thinking, wow, (laughs) wow, amazing. But he built a new city. He says, I'm going to build a city that cannot be, interestingly enough, it cannot be shaken because that's what was happening to to, uh, Herod's city. Now I want you to look at uh, Revelation chapter number 21 and verse number 2. John, one of Jesus' closest disciples, he was given a vision of this city that Jesus was building. It's described here in detail in these last, uh, uh, last two chapters of Revelation, and it's great reading on your own. I encourage you to read it. But I want you to look at Revelation chapter two, 21, verse 2, because this is the real thing. John says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Let me just pause for just a second, just to give you a little bit of context. There's going to be a time. There, there is a city that is being built by Jesus right now, and this city is going to come literally out of the sky, and this will be the place where we will abide for eternity. It's going to be this. It's going to be unlike anything you have ever seen or could even imagine. And our imagination is just is it's just a, a little bit stimulated by what's here in the scriptures. He says, "I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God." prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Hey, that's our future city. We can't even begin to to, uh, remotely compare New Jerusalem to the grandest city that has ever been built on this earth. Now look down at verse 12 in Revelation chapter 22, the next chapter over. Revelation 22, verse 12. Jesus says this, he says, look, I am coming soon, soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the alpha and omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right 
to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. My friends, that's the city that I choose. There's a prerequisite to get in there. It's those who wash their robes. In other words, those who purify themselves through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how to gain access into this eternal, beautiful city that cannot be shaken. So Caesarea, what does it represent? Well, in my mind, it represents the, the temporal. It, it represents the decaying delights of this world. You know what? It's a nice place to visit. It would have been a great place to visit, but it's not the place to hang your hat. Now, there's nothing wrong with enjoying yourselves, but a life consumed with pleasure and selfishness and greed, it will implode on you just the way it imploded on, on Herod the Great. Because The reason is because every single thing in this world is temporary. And, and, and a good place to read right now, in fact, some good, if I could assign you some reading, I'd love to make an assignment. Read through the book of Ecclesiastes because Solomon wrote the, this book of Ecclesiastes and, and it is a powerful, powerful picture of how empty the pursuits of this world really are. And that is if your life is, 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 is all about merely advancing your own kingdom and your own, just, just if your life is only about the profits of your own company or it only benefits you, and if you fail to miss out on the higher call of God, then that's a problem. You see, we're called to bring honor to God, to serve others, to benefit others. That's part of our function on this world. We're supposed to utilize our gifts and our talents to, to, to the very fullest so that, uh, so that we will be able to bless others and to be the image of Jesus on this earth. And we do it all with eternity in mind. We do it all with Revelation 21 and 22 in mind. That is our future because everything, hear me, everything built on this earth is built on a fault line with the threat of tsunamis. But New Jerusalem, it represents our unshakable home for eternity. You see, New Jerusalem is being built by Jesus, not Herod. King Herod and Caesarea, it's the antithesis of King Jesus and New Jerusalem. It's the total opposite. And it's amazing how this picture is put together right there in the book of Matthew because it, these are two extremes. And they're brought to our attention so that we can see it and so that we can discern what the scriptures are actually telling us. But I know that the lure of the culture is to pay homage, you know, to Herod. The lure of the culture is to indulge in Caesarea. But the tug of the Holy Spirit on our hearts, the, the conviction of God, the still small voice of the Lord, the word of God, when we receive it, we hear it, we read it, it actually points us in a different direction. And that different direction is to pursue the road that's going to take you to New Jerusalem. And speaking of New Jerusalem, it's interesting because the, book, the writer of the book of Hebrews said this, it says, for here on this earth, we do not have a lasting city. Now, what does that mean, lasting city? Well, lasting city is a permanent dwelling place to live and to worship and to do business and to, to where there's no decay. But it says, for here we do not have, put, it, put that back up on the screens there, we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking, okay, seeking, 
We're seeking something. That means our eyes need to be focused upon the permanent dwelling place. When our eyes are focused on the things of this world, you're going to be frustrated, discouraged, and things will fall apart at one point or another. That our focus, our seeking, our eyes are focused on something in the future. And what it is, what is it? It is the city. Take a look. There's the word the. It doesn't say a city. It says the city, which is to come. And this is the destination for all true believers. New Jerusalem, that is where we belong. New Jerusalem is our home. This world is not. I know the culture says that the world is permanent, but it's not. This scripture is a reminder that this world is not. In fact, this world will literally melt. Yeah, there's, there's theory out there about global warming and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, don't, I don't know about that. I'm not a scientist. But I do know what the Bible says. It's going to get not warm. It's going to get hot. The earth is going to burn and everything in it. See, we have no enduring, lasting place in this world. Really, what is another thing that the writer of Hebrews said? We're only passing through. It's like we're coming through on a road trip and we've stopped off here on our way to New Jerusalem, on our way to that everlasting city that is to come. Now, you see, when I take a road trip, I, uh, I, 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 I like to stop at Bucky's now. You know, that it's, it, has, it has just become part of, part of my life. And, you, it, and if, if you drive much at all, you know where every Bucky's is in the state. And real, out, even outside, I'm, I'm hearing now that they're, they're spreading outside of Texas. And so everybody gets a little taste of Texas all across the nation now, or at least the South. But, but when I go to a Bucky's, I like it. And I want to stay there for a little while, fill up on gas, just run around through the restrooms and just, woo, you know, just, that's like fun, like all this space and grab a snack get in my car but, but again if, if Rebecca's with me we're going to stay longer because she's going to she has to shop she has to shop at Bucky's I don't understand if she has to shop at Bucky's but we stay longer and you know what we enjoy it and it's okay to enjoy it but I'll tell you what I don't live for it I don't and that's like a picture of the world I'm not going to live for it I'm not going to be consumed with this undying love for Bucky's because the truth is it can blow up and be gone tomorrow. It could be bankrupt next month and it can be gone and eliminated. And are you going to be in grief? I'd hope not because at some point everything, and I mean every single thing on this earth will be gone. So the question comes back, which king are you going to pay homage to? Herod the Great, which represents the spirit of greed, self-adulation, control, and death, and violence, the antithesis of Jesus, or Jesus the Messiah, the spirit of generosity, love, blessing, life, and power. I mean, which city has leverage in your life? Herod Caesarea, the crumbling, eroding, short-lived, indulgent pleasures of this current world, or Jesus' extravagant, secure, eternal pleasures in a kingdom, in a city that is not built on a fault line, that is the city that cannot be shaken. 
See, Jesus, he came. He came to free us from bondage to the Herods and the Caesareas of this world. That's why he came. His simplicity, (laughs) the simplicity of Jesus being born literally in a stable in a little shepherd's town. His generosity, literally giving his life for us so that he could spend eternity with us. His humility. Oh my goodness, his love. You can't read the gospels without feeling the love of God that flows through Christ Jesus. That's what we must live by. And therefore we must wash our robes. We must cleanse ourselves in the blood of Jesus and be ready, be ready just like Jesus said. Be ready because New Jerusalem is right around the corner and we do not know the time or the moment when New Jerusalem arrives, but it will and this earth and everything in it will melt. I say this to you today so that you can take inventory of your life. And and I I want you to receive this in the way that the Holy Spirit designs it for you. How will this bring conviction in your life? I don't know. But let it convict you and and, and let yourself make life changes if necessary. And... And if there are no life changes to make, which I hope there are, I hope there there are every time I talk, every time I share the Word of God. But even if if you're like, well, I I really don't see anything that I need to change, I'm I'm giving this with all my heart, then one of the things you need to do is to continue to spread the Word about Jesus because His coming is close. He said it. His coming is oh so very close. Jesus, look. He says, look, look. Look, I am coming soon, and my reward, New Jerusalem, is with me. I want that. I want that for you. I want that for your families. I want that for the people that you know and that you love. So right now, before we go any further, I want to offer the opportunity to give your life to Jesus. I want to just give you the opportunity to receive Christ into your life, to receive forgiveness of your sins. If you're not sure of your eternal destination or if you've been building your life on the on the fault lines of this earth because scripture says everything will be shaken Christ will shake the heavens and shake the earth if this is where your heart is then let it be relieved to just enjoy the short-term pleasures of it, but don't invest heavily in this. Invest heavily in the kingdom of God, which is out there, which is our future, which is our eternity. If you're not sure about your eternal destination, everyone just look internally right now. Just close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit to bring conviction to you. If that's you this morning, you need Jesus. When I count to three, lift your hand up and say, Pastor, I want you to pray with me. I, I want to pray with you, and I, I want to receive Jesus Christ into my life. And if that's you, uh, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand, and I'll see it. I'll connect my faith with yours. And then we're going to pray together. We're going to believe that God's going to bring salvation and restoration to your life as well. So is that you? Are you not sure about eternity? Do you need Jesus in your life? Are you not sure about New Jerusalem? Lift your hand at the count of three. One, two, three. Lift it up. Thanks. Put it down. Thanks. Put it down. Thank you. 
you lifted your hands, therefore I, I want you to pray. I want you to pray these words with me and I want you to ask the Lord to come in and to bring restoration, healing, and forgiveness into your life. This is where we wash our robes. This is the part about washing our robes. Pray these words with me. Lord Jesus, come on, everybody in this room, just say it as well. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from my own unrighteousness. I'm a sinner and I know it. And I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. Wash me in your precious blood. Cleanse my sin. And today I make the choice to turn away from my inappropriate affections of this world to serve you with all of my heart for all of my life. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. While you're in this attitude of prayer, I just want you just to also search your hearts. Search your hearts regarding what the Holy Spirit has said to you. And I I wanna give you just a minute longer to not only search your hearts, but apply it to your life. What is God saying to you? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What needs to change in your attitude, in your outlook? What part of Herod or Caesarea has become your affection? And make the choice to cut it off. Lord God, I just pray again for conviction to be in this room. Convict us of where we stand. Convict us of where we are. Give us strong conviction so that we will live for you, serve you. We will not waste any of our energies or our resources on building on uh, on shaky uh, foundations, foundations that are built on these fault lines of earth. We will work to build your kingdom. We'll work to do what is going to bring out the, the benefits, the eternal benefits to all of creation. Convict us and help us to make decisions to change Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.